podcast. I am Andy, and with me, as always, is Josh Patterson. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Josh. How's it going? What's up, man? How are you? Good. I'm good. So this is episode number two. I mean, we're very experienced now. Super we're experienced. Wise. We're wiser. We're older. We're, um... Better. Better? More better. We're hungrier. Hungrier. For food. Not... That's not a metaphor. I'm super excited that I'm super excited that Noel is making dinner for me. (laughs) Oh, that's good. That's good. Um, Noel is Josh's wife, by the way. My wife. (laughs) Uh, His wife. I also have a wife. Her name is Tamara. What? Um, Tamara's super cool. Tamara's cool. Noel's cool too. Mm -hmm. I like to think that we're all four of us are pretty cool. I think so. Uh, Four cool people. so, So. (laughs) <laughs> four cool people, yeah, that's a good. Maybe we should have a second podcast called Four Cool People, and they could be on it too. I dig <laughs> it. All right, well, good. So, Josh, today, do you know what we're talking about? Uh, so, there's like this you. book that okay. I think Jesus wrote it or something. Uh, the Bible, maybe yes. something, yeah. something about the Bible and and something about how we should or should not read it. In yeah, a way, I, yeah, right, something like that, Six. something along those lines. We're talking yeah, about s- the doctrine of scripture. For, oh, right, right? the doctrine. Yeah, obviously, yeah. I'm smarter than yeah. my wife gives credit for. Come on. Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Trust me, I know how undervalued you are. Um, yeah. <laughs> we're talking <laughs> about the doctrine one. of talking about the doctrine of scripture today. Uh, but before we dive into that, before we get yeah. to the meat, I just want to ask you, Josh, how's your week going? Dude, my week is. It's going, man. Yeah, it's it's been pretty good. I've uh I've been super busy uh you know with stuff at at church and uh the youth group. See the I'm one of those people that got like invited to be a a youth director at a church where the youth program was zero. Nice. And so we nice. <laughs> we we've, I've been doing a lot of uh foundation building and I've I've had the, you know, the opportunity to pour into some super uh super stellar leaders. Uh, that have just been awesome. And so uh, we had a leader meeting on Wednesday, and next Wednesday we're having a vision night where we're inviting like the whole church and all the different committees and uh, such to come out and hear about, you know, we call it Catalyst Student Ministry. That's the name that the students came up with. Um, and so I'm super excited about that. I've been working hard, built, like I said, building foundations, and I'm excited to share the vision and the, the dreams of Catalyst Student Ministry with the church. So that's what I've been awesome, doing. Awesome, man. That's yeah. exciting. Sounds really exciting. What are you I'm gonna... actually, I don't know if I've talked to you about this at all, uh, but I'm actually not in a staff role like you, but just as a volunteer, I'm actually also helping to start the youth ministry at my church for the first time. Nice. And uh, we have we have our first youth Bible study coming up this Sunday, so that's exciting. That's pretty cool. Um, we took some of the students to like a one of those big color wars, like a bunch of churches from around oh, the city nice. were doing a color war. Color wars uh, a few yeah. weeks ago. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> Except one Classic of the students, <laughs> one of the students, I, uh, he, we were we were joking around about how we were going to get each other in the color war, and so as soon as it started, I grabbed a big handful of color powder and threw it at him, and it got right in his eyes. Oh, and you're so a jerk! He <laughs> so started <that's>... crying. <laughs> yeah, no, it was not good. He started crying. We had to go. Uh, I went and helped him clean it out and everything. He was fine afterwards, and he he laughed uh, off. He's a tough oh. kid, but. Neither of us participated in the rest of the color war. Oh man! Um, 
So the moral of the story here is Andy makes kids cry. Yeah, that's the moral of the story. That's what the so listeners obviously, know. <laughs> I'm a great choice for starting the youth ministry at our church. Perfect. Um, yeah, but that's exciting. And actually, you know what, Josh? What's up? Fun fact, our youth Bible study, guess what topic we're covering in the first few weeks? Um, shoot, man, I, the doctrine of Scripture. Yeah, not not we're not going to put it that academically, but yes, we're going to be talking about what is the Bible and how do we read it. And uh, so it's cool to have that coincide with this episode that we're recording about the doctrine might, of Scripture. Some might say it was predestined to be this some way. Might, Andy. I am some, <coughs> I am some people <laughs> who might say that. Uh, it was foreordained. It's a God thing. I, I would say it's a God thing. I you like would it. Say, that's how the Anabaptists <laughs> would put it. It's a God thing. It's a God um, thing. It's a God thing. <laughs> it's one of those beautiful God things, you know? Uh, um, yeah, so so I'm super excited about that. So let's dive in, though, on the sure. doctrine of Scripture. Um, like we explained in the last episode as we were kind of introducing everything, you and I have some agreements. We also have some disagreements. So today uh, we just wanted to explore a little bit of, of kind of what our traditions would say a, a healthy doctrine of Scripture is. Yeah. And see where we agree, where we disagree, and hopefully, for the listeners, spark some thinking, get you thinking about what the Bible is and how you relate to it and how it relates to you and all that good stuff. So, Josh, I don't know, maybe do you want to kick us off? Just if you had like two or three minutes and someone came up to you and asked <laughs> you, what's the Bible? How how would you answer that? Oh, goodness. Uh yeah, that's a that's a a great way of phrasing it. <laughs> what is the Bible? I think what's what's that dude? Uh, Rob Bell came out with a book with like what is the Bible, oh, no. and the the, oh, no. <laughs> the subtitle was super duper long. Like, I'm pretty sure that the title and subtitle took up the entire front page of the book. Just, um, just a quick note: this this half of the podcast, I don't know about Josh, this half of the podcast does not endorse Rob Bell. Yeah, I <laughs> I don't know if I'd endorse him either. I. I don't know, but regardless. So yeah, man. So that I don't know. So I think, um, I guess I can I can start with saying like where where most people come uh, to the Bible and how they talk about Scripture. In my mind, I think that the way a lot of of people talk about Scripture, uh, for me, I that's how I talk about Jesus. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I think like. Uh, for example, when, when we go back to, like, the Protestant Reformation, where the whole, like, sola scriptura and really, you know, focusing in on, on the doctrine of, of scripture comes into play, um, the Protestant Reformation was, was, like, all about getting Christians to rally around the Bible, right? Um, and, like, that's super cool. I'm down with that. But, but more so, I would say I'm concerned with, with getting Christians to rally around Jesus, so I don't have like a like an issue with scripture at all. I think the Bible is a, su- a super cool thing. Um, I just think where we put our emphasis is slightly different. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe I would say that uh, you know when I think about scripture, I think about Jesus, and then maybe the message of God contained in the Bible, and then the Bible. And I think maybe, especially with like a lot of evangelicals today, or, or especially with the Reformation, maybe that that order is flipped where we talk about the Bible, then the message of God contained in the Bible, and then Jesus. And so mostly when I talk about Scripture, you know, with students and, and with people in general, I would just say that that Jesus 
is the ultimate revelation of who God is. And so I don't, I don't buy into the whole, like, throughout the Old Testament, that's garbage. I'm pretty sure that's heresy and Andy would burn me at the stake. Um, <laughs> no, more so, man, I think, I mean, I think the Bible itself is like one big story. Like it's an overarching story, um, you know, telling us uh, about God and how we can relate to him and, and this awesome role that we get to play in, in the story that God's telling. Um, but I think that for me, I just tend to read scripture through the lens of Jesus. So everything I read is through the lens, the lens of Jesus, whether that's Old Testament, New Testament, you know, the Gospels, whatever. Um, I look at things through the lens of Jesus because, you know, I believe that he is the ultimate revelation of who God is. Yeah, I think, I think on that point, and we might apply it differently, I think I would, just that statement itself, like reading scripture through the lens of Jesus, I think we would agree on. Sure. Uh, because the Reformed tradition has a, has a very uh, strong belief in Christ-centered hermeneutic, right? So we believe that yeah. all, all of scripture needs to be interpreted in light of the person and work of Christ, because Jesus says that all the scriptures, you know, were written about him. It all points to him, right? Right. And most and so definitely. I would agree with you there. Um, I think one of the challenges, see, like the way that you just put things, the language you used is very different from any kind of language I would use when talking about the Bible. And right. I think, <clears throat> I think one of, I think we are going to have some disagreements as we get into this conversation. Well, I think, <laughs> I think one of the things, though, yeah. is that a lot of times people from our two traditions and people from other different traditions can kind of talk past each other a little bit too. Sure, sure. Um, because I'm going to use certain language that Reformed theology has developed to describe what we believe about the Bible. And even if you maybe agree with some of those concepts, you're obviously not using that language. Right. Uh, so I think I think as we're both presenting our views, it'll come into clearer relief kind of where we stand. But uh, I would love... I don't know if we really got it. Maybe if you said something and I just missed it, you can sure. correct me. Um, do you could you give like a positive definition of like of the nature of scripture? I guess so. I get you called it a story, but sure. in speaking in more in in traditional terms of like, do you think that the Bible, for example, is is itself the word of God? Do you think it contains the word of God or, or how do you think that kind of plays together? Sure. So I would say that the, that the Bible is a hundred percent, uh, that it is God breathed. I would say that the Bible is a gift to the church, big C church as a whole, uh, from God. And I think that it is trustworthy. I think that it is truthful. Um, and I think that it is ultimately, um, our guide. But the caveat that I would throw in there is that uh, the Bible is a written document, you know. Mm -hmm. And so as a written document, the Bible is uniquely and absolutely authoritative. However, you know, me personally, I would argue that as Christians, no written document is our absolute authority, but Jesus is that authority. So that's yeah. that's more so that's more so how I'd phrase it, if that, if that makes sense. Yeah, and see, where I, I think from my position, and we'll get into this too more as I kind of give a positive definition of what I believe about the Bible, but sure. I think where I would kind of push back on that a little bit is if if you agree with, and I don't know that you would, but if you agree that the Bible is literally God's word in the sense that 
every word was inspired by God, was given by God, then I don't see how you can make a distinction between the authority of God and the authority of the Bible, if that makes sense. Sure. So no, that, it, that's kind of where I push back. I don't know if if you would agree with that or if you have a different way you would put it. Yeah, I I'm not quite sure, man. I think I think that's a good I think that's good feedback. Um I think hmm and and maybe this doesn't necessarily apply here, but maybe an example that I I can think of is like um you know, because I say that, you know, Jesus is the ultimate revelation of God. And people yeah. would push back and say that, well, you read that in the Bible. So, you know, <laughs> so I'd say, yeah, because the Bible's awesome. Uh, but I think um, it's similar to like when you read the Gospel of John, you know, yeah. um, John is talking about Christ and talking about different things. But you wouldn't necessarily say like, oh, yeah, John is the ultimate authority, right? But you would say that the things he's saying about Jesus and things like that. So I, I think it's kind of similar, like the Bible talks about Jesus and that the Bible, um, you know, it's not necessarily that the Bible gives us Jesus. More so for me, I would say Jesus gives us the Bible and the Bible then points us directly to Jesus, to Christ. And the Bible is not the ultimate authority, but like a penultimate kind of authority pointing us to Jesus, who is our ultimate um authority if that makes sense i don't know if i answered your question <laughs> yeah no I'm, i so, think i'm picking up on on what you're saying so sure and i have more i want to get into that more yeah um, before we do i want to kind of just give my quick little summary of my of what i would say the bible is please uh, tell me why i am wrong because i feel like that'll lead <laughs> us exactly right back down the same road we were just on yeah most uh, definitely. but i think i think it'll help throw up a little more of a contrast so people okay. know the position that I'm that we're discussing from, like, so you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, for uh, sure. So <laughs> to start out, I guess if I was going to describe scripture to someone, I would say you used, I think, this phrase earlier. I'd say scripture is breathed out by God, right? That's what Second uh, Timothy three sixteen says that it's mm -hmm. breathed out by God. And you know, mm -hmm. uh, coincidentally, I was just reading this book uh, by B.B. Warfield. It's a collection of essays called "The Inspiration and Authority of Scripture." B.B. Uh, Warfield. For those of you who may not know, he's an old, old-timey old Princeton professor from the 1800s. Uh, really smart guy. Um, and one of the things, though, that he was arguing in one of those essays, and it was it was somewhat above my head, honestly. He was going into the original <laughs> Greek and getting really technical. Uh, but I got I got most of his argument, I think, uh, was that when it says, when it was breathed out by God, the Greek word is theonoustos, and forgive me if I'm mispronouncing that. I've taken like two semesters of Greek, so I'm not an expert. You're uh, better than me. I've taken zero. Theonoustos, <laughs> right, means, it doesn't mean that God like breathed some like little inspiration into the Bible. It doesn't mean that God just like gave it a touch of like divine insight or something like that. It means that literally God exhaled the Bible, right? It came from God. Theonoustos, okay. God breathed. And so I think that word encompasses a lot of the other things I want to say about Scripture in terms of what it is. Um, and so another key verse, I would say, though, talking about Scripture being God-breathed, another key verse for kind of how we get Scripture comes from Second Peter, uh, which it says that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, uh, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Or it says men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So once again, there's that idea 
um, that a lot, a lot of people like to challenge a lot of times. Well, you know, the Bible was a human book, but I think this hmm. verse shows us what that process is, that yes, it was written by men, but they were carried along by the Spirit to write exactly what God wanted them to write. Sure. And so over and against uh, some some schools of thought that would want to say the Bible contains the Word of God, or the Bible, like some neo-Orthodox people would say the Bible mediates the Word of God to us. It's where we encounter the Word of God. Okay. Uh, I would want to say that the Bible is the Word of God, meaning mm-hmm. that that God reveals himself in the actual words of Scripture. Scripture isn't some, like, intermediary, inter- I can't talk, intermediary <laughs> that, that introduces us to the to the Word of God, right? The Bible is the Word of God. And, and so I get, in a sense, what you were saying, that the Bible points us to Christ, and I agree with that. The Bible does point us to Christ. Uh, but I, I don't think that the Bible is some kind of lesser authority that is just an instrument for getting us to God. I think it's the actual okay. revelation of God itself. The very sure. words. Yeah, um, most definitely. And so then, sorry, I know I'm going through a lot right now. The other... You're killing it, man. Keep the other, doing you. There's four other things I wanted to throw in real quick. It'll be real quick. There's four characteristics of Scripture that I that I, I would like to assert uh, coming okay. from their foreign tradition that I think are really important. Um, and I... I originally encountered these four characteristics uh, describing the Bible in the book Taking God at His Word by Kevin DeYoung. I have read is, that book. You have? Okay. Yeah, because yeah, you think, were like, hey, bro, read this book, and so I did. I, re- I enjoyed it. I actually yeah. enjoyed it. I think I would recommend that to anyone who's listening. It's a really short read, too, so you don't have yeah, to be like definitely. a master theologian to read it. I'd recommend um, it as well. Aw, yay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good book. So, so the four characteristics that he hits on in that in that book that I think um, are really – and these characteristics aren't talked about directly in Scripture. It's not like the Bible says, like, oh, these are the four characteristics of the Bible. But I think they're implied <laughs> strongly uh, throughout the Bible through how it describes itself um, are sufficiency. The Bible is sufficient for everything we need for life and for salvation. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bible's necessity, which means that we need the Bible – uh, John Calvin says that the Bibles are like spectacles that we see everything else through. So uh, I think the idea that that God's revelation in Scripture enables us to see everything else correctly, including who we are, who God is, how how we relate to the world, all that kind of stuff. Uh, the clarity of the Bible. And this one can be kind of tricky because people will be like, well, the Bible is not clear. You know, there's so much stuff we argue all the time. Right. Uh, but I would say that the Bible is clear in the basics of Anyone, even people who don't know much about theology at all, can approach the Bible and, of course, with the illumination of the Holy Spirit, uh, can can understand what it takes to be reconciled to God. And so I think, I think that much is very clear in Scripture. And then the authority of Scripture, which means here, here's where I think we might have the most uh, tension in our views, I don't know, but the authority yeah, yeah, yeah. of Scripture meaning <laughs> I, as the Word of God, as the very words of God, as God breathed, uh, I believe that Scripture is absolutely authoritative. I believe it carries the authority of God. And so the illustration I like to use for that is imagine that you're living in medieval France. Okay? Yeah. And you're a noble, like kind of a, a lower noble. You own some land, stuff like that. So better and, off than I am right now. <laughs> yes, yeah. I can do that. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know, actually. I think our standard of living today might be higher. That's true. I don't know. <laughs> but you're you're proportionally higher on the social ladder at least i dig it i dig it um 
So you're 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 living in medieval France, and the king sends you a, a big royal document with his official seal on it that says, <clears throat> "Pay your taxes, or I'm gonna kill you." Bummer. Okay, so now would you say that document doesn't carry the, carry the authority of the king? I'm not paying my taxes until the king tells me to <laughs> in <laughs> no, person. I... Like, no, no, that document carries the full authority of the king, right? Because it's his words, and it has his stamp of approval. And so, in the same way, I think Scripture is a covenant document from God that carries his full authority. And in a way, you can almost compare the stamp, right, to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit bears witness to the authenticity of Scripture, and it bears witness to us that it is the very words of God. And so, I know I just covered a lot of ground there. Um I probably exceeded my two to three minutes for the person I was talking to on the street. They probably <laughs> uh But to, in summary, I think the Bible is the very words of God. It's breathed out by God, and uh, it's absolutely sufficient for life and salvation. It's absolutely necessary for us to understand ourselves and understand God. It's clear, at least in what it takes to be reconciled to God, and it's absolutely authoritative for every area of life for Christians. And so that's what I would want to hit on. Right on. Yeah, it's it's interesting, man, because I don't know, like, there's not much, based off your presentation, there's not much that I would disagree with. I think, I think really the difference here is more so on emphasis. Um, and so, like, I mean, not to play, like, the, the victim card here, but, you know, more, <laughs> so, like, while, you know, the Anabaptists kind of, they were, which is, I don't know if I identify with anything, but more so with Anabaptists, while the, you know, while they were you know, constantly on the run and stuff, they didn't have the ability to uh, partake in, in, you know, academic, academic studies and systematic yeah. theology and stuff like that. So they were kind of just kind of, you know, super practical, trying to figure out stuff on the run. Um, and so I, I don't know where I was going with that, to be honest with you. Uh, but basically, one thing that... that um, so, yeah, basically what I'm saying is... I wouldn't necessarily disagree with you, but where I struggle with is that um, I get super hung up um, on on issues of like uh, nonviolence and enemy love and peacemaking, things like that. And so I think yeah. one thing that I get hung up with uh, with the idea of of complete inerrancy and would you say maybe this is a derogatory way oh, to yeah. say this, but would you say that like um, would you say you have like a flat reading of scripture? I don't know. That sounds kind of negative, but like, would you say that? You mean yeah, that? like is so. Like, would you say that the stuff in the Old Testament and the stuff that Jesus said are on the same level? Like, they're not. Yeah, I would. So yeah, okay, so that's, cool. I think that's an important distinction, which at least some people in the Anabaptist tradition would differ from me. Yeah, um, and maybe you would too. But I would say, since all scripture is breathed out by God. All scripture carries equal authority. Sure. Okay. And, so yeah. yeah, that's that's definitely, I guess, then where we where we might have a difference. Um, but I think with that idea of like a like a flat reading, I personally would struggle with that because if you you know, for me, when I look at history, um, it, it shows us that when Christians you know champion the idea of just the authority of scripture, um, mm-hmm. in my mind, you know. They don't necessarily get closer to following Jesus on some, what I would say, some key issues. Not everything, um, because yeah. I think I think you're awesome. But <laughs> what I'm saying is like, 
some key issues like nonviolence and and enemy love and peacemaking. Um, yeah. I think kind of get tossed aside and like instead they're you know maybe the reformers if I'm allowed to say this maybe missed some central themes of Jesus because they were trying to you know balance it with the teaching um, you know of other scriptures uh, in the Bible as a way to maintain that commitment to the authority of scripture uh, which yeah. I don't I don't fault them for because I like I 100% get where they were coming from. I just like to me those things are super important, and so the way that I reconcile that, um, you know, with like violence and scripture and things like that, is by appealing to Jesus as a higher authority rather than, uh, you know, a more so flat reading. And I don't, you know, again, I don't mean that derogatory. That's just the best way I can think about it, like a yeah. flat reading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, and so I mean, I definitely would acknowledge that the reformers were not perfect in how they lived out their faith. I think we all agree with that. I don't. There wasn't any era of Christianity where we've seen people live out their faith perfectly. Zero. Um, <laughs> and but I would right. I would want to push back on that a little, just that idea of distinguishing sure. between maybe like levels of authority or something like that in scripture. I think because even even Jesus, right, he he never makes a claim that he's contradicting something that's said in the Old Testament or anything like that. Okay. Jesus, whenever he talks about Old Testament scripture, is that's all that's all that was there canonized at the time, right? He he always he always treats it with the highest reverence, right? And and sure. he says that he came to fulfill the scriptures and that not right. one one not one iota would pass away. And so I think that I would want to push back on that a little bit and say that even Jesus' own view of scripture would be more consistent with what what you would call like a flat reading. I think that sure. he saw scripture as completely authoritative. He didn't obviously as God Jesus is the one who gives authority to the scriptures. I think you could say yeah. that God gives the authority to the scriptures, but he didn't see anything he said or any of the like the fresh revelation that was coming with his incarnation as superseding or overshadowing the Old Testament scripture. Okay. Yeah, no, I 100%. I think what would you oh, let me think. What would you um like if we did a thought experiment, what would you what would you say to something like where we have, you know, Jesus preaching uh, during the Sermon on the Mount, right? And uh-huh. he says, you have heard it said, uh, and then he, he references, you know, something in the Old Testament, like, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye, but I tell you, um, yeah. you know, love your enemy as yourself. So, like, how how would you personally reconcile that uh, with, with the kind of statements that you yeah. were just saying? So I think, I think in the Sermon on the Mount, what you have is Jesus is, uh, he's not contradicting the Old Testament, but instead, he's pointing to its true application. So okay. Jesus is, I think, most of what you get in the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus is showing that, yes, we have these external commandments, but this is actually an issue of the heart as well. Now, the eye for an eye one is a little different sure. uh, because it's not it's not the same as, like, the, the lust one or the murder one or things like that. Murder. Um, but <laughs> I think if you go back and look at the context, and I can't... I can't remember the exact verse that the eye for an eye command. Hell, Brandy. Do you remember? I don't. Uh, so we're both it's, doomed. It's in Leviticus, I think. <laughs> yeah. um, I was coming from Habakkuk, but Leviticus. But, but here's the thing is that command actually comes in the context of talking about the treatment of, of owners and their slaves. And so right when you first hear eye for an eye in the Old Testament, it's talking about if, if an owner takes out an the eye of one of their slaves. Yeah. 
they need to let their slave go because they need to compensate them for the injustice they've done. Okay. And so I think what Jesus is correcting there is he's not he's not contradicting the Old Testament, but he's correcting a misapplication. Sure, that's yeah, fair. So I, I and so I see the Sermon on the Mount not as contradictory to the Old Testament or not as superseding the Old Testament, but I see it as a corrective. And I think that's what most of Jesus, when he teaches on something uh, related to the Old Testament, a lot of times he's bringing a corrective to how the people of his time had misinterpreted it or misunderstood it. Sure. Yeah, no, that's that's super interesting because I think you and I would agree on that. <laughs> yeah. I, it, it's weird, man. Like, I, I feel like a lot of, uh, and you, you touched on this earlier, I feel like a lot of, of, of mis, you know, misagreement or disagreement, sorry, I don't think misagreement is a word, unless you want it to be. Um, Let's make it I a word. <laughs> misagreement. You heard it here first, misagreement. <laughs> <laughs> but I think a lot of uh, disagreement uh, comes from emphasis. Like I, I seriously, I think that maybe we're saying a lot of the same things, but emphasizing it differently. Um, yeah. Because I mean, I a hundred percent think that scripture is God breathed. That um, that it is, you know, trustworthy, and and points us. How I would say it is points us to a life that we can, you know, follow. Kind of how Jesus lived. Not kind of, but we should be following a life that Jesus lived. Um, but I just, for me, specifically for me, where I get hung up on, uh, with that and why I point so much to Jesus and his character specifically around the ideas of, of, uh, nonviolence and enemy love and things like that is because yeah. for me, that's, that's the best way I can reconcile a lot of the violence in the Old Testament um, mm-hmm. by saying that because Jesus is the ultimate revelation of God, like I would say, if we want to know the character of God, because yeah. the Bible tells us he is the ultimate revelation of God, we can look at Christ. And uh, you might not like this, but what I would say is whenever we read things in Scripture that look different from Jesus, uh, like say Canaanite genocide, I would argue that maybe something different is going on. Um, and what do you mean by that? I would love for you to expand upon that. Yeah, a bit. so so there's a there's a guy. I don't know if you will will like him or not. So don't hurt me off. His name is Greg Boyd. Um, super cool dude. Yeah, he. I think actually Pete. The so our for you guys that are listening, uh, Pastor Pete uh, is uh, the mutual connection that Andy and I had. I had met Pete through my job at Youth for Christ in Maryland. Uh, Andy and his wife Tamara moved here from to well, moved to Maryland from Albuquerque. Pete was like, "Hey, you and Andy are super similar," um, and I think Pete was maybe hoping that Andy, you would bring salvation to my life. Um, he was. <laughs> well, I like to think of it like Pete and I. Yeah. It's kind of sad. Pete and I were the ones who helped you discover that you definitely weren't reformed. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a hundred percent true. I I agree with that, man. I, dude, I would not change though our time together. Like that, that no, book that we it was great together. Uh, John Horton, right? Uh, Pilgrim Michael theology. Horton. Michael Horton, sorry. Yeah, I would theology, not. I, yeah. yeah, I would not change that. You know, for the world, I think I think that was awesome. Um, Good learning experience. Yeah, most definitely. But I think, uh, hold on, I have to remember now where I was going. Where were you going? Yeah, I I had a really cool Greg point. Boyd. Greg Boyd. Greg uh, Boyd. Yeah. Greg Boyd. So the idea of maybe something different was going on. So um, now this is where things might get sketchy. And Andy uh, is holding a gun 
you know, pointing again at me right now, but I'm going to say this anyway. <laughs> through the computer I, screen. Yeah, through the computer <laughs> screen. It's a beautiful thing. Technology is awesome. Uh, AI or whatever. But I think, so Greg Boyd would make this argument that whenever we see things like Canaanite genocide, that, and bear with me, maybe what was happening is, so if you look at things like ancient Near Eastern literature, a lot of the Old Testament is very similar. And so maybe Mm -hmm. what was happening was that God was relating to the Israelite people in a way that they themselves could understand at that time. And if that meant a violent uh, God, then then that's how God was. God is self-giving. I would use, you know, um, this is dangerous because there's so much dirty water with this, but the word kenosis, yeah. that God is all-giving, um, that God is, is willing to stoop down maybe to our level of understanding to be able to relate with us. And so I kind of see Scripture as as more of a a progression that that God um, is is working. It's a story of God working with people where they are and growing them in their faith to to point them to the ultimate reality of what He is like in Christ Jesus. So He's willing to stoop to the Israelites, so the Israelites can talk about, man, Yahweh. He's super cool. He can beat up your God. He's the best God. Uh, he's going to wipe out all these people. Because that's how people in the ancient Near Eastern, you know, in the ancient Near East talked about their God. And so I would say maybe that, that God was, was willing because, you know, he wanted a relationship with us. He loved us enough to stoop down to our level of understanding, uh, to put maybe the Bible more so on a projection of this is where we're headed to ultimately point, point to Christ. And so that's what I mean by, um, you know, maybe something different might be going on in the Old Testament when we see something like Canaanite genocide that is super, uh, I would say, contradictory or super opposite of of the person of Jesus who um, is all about, you know, enemy love and, you know, like when he was on the cross, you know, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Um, so that for me, that's how me, I personally am able to reconcile the violence in the New Testament with the person of Christ, if that makes sense. Yeah, see, so I would, and this is no shade on you, Josh, because we're having a peaceful discussion, but I would strongly shade. disagree with that. Oh, shade. I would, <laughs> I would very strongly disagree with that, because I think once you get into that, I think what you're really doing is you're introducing change into the character of God. Okay. And I, I think the Bible is pretty clear that the character of God is everlasting, that he doesn't change, right? He's not a fickle God. He's faithful. He's trustworthy. Sure. Um, that's why we can trust his promises. And so I think the idea that God would somehow change his morality or bend his bend his perfect character to accommodate people, I yeah. agree that God does accommodate us, accommodates our understanding, condescends to us, uh, but I don't think he ever does so in a way that bends his perfect character. Okay. And so I would say that any revelation of God that we have in the Old Testament is just as true as any revelation we have of him in the New Testament. Now, Christ, as Hebrews says, as you've referenced a few times, right, is the is the fullest revelation of God. He's, sure. he's the fullest and final revelation, but I don't think that means he is, his revelation is more true than any other okay. revelation we have. You know, I think yeah. all, all revelation of God throughout Scripture is true. All of Scripture is equally 
uh, accurate in how it depicts God to us all, but Christ is the fullest revelation. He, he brings us to a, a full understanding of God, as full as we can have, uh, humanly speaking, in our fallen state. And so um, I would want to push back on that because I think once you open that door of like, well, you know, that's not really how God is, but he's willing sure. to do that for them. Like, where does that really stop? Because right. you could say today, like, oh, well, you know, I don't, I, you might not agree with me on this issue, but abortion's really bad. Like, it's murder. We're murdering children. But, you know, that's just, like, how people feel good today. And maybe right now they need a God who will allow, allow b- murder of babies. Sure. And so, you know? <laughs> Dude, and so dude I, abortion's I really, such a complex thing. I think... I think more so I agree with you than not on, on abortion, but I, I don't but have a strong stance. Even if you don't, you see, you see the <laughs> yeah, illustration, see right? Oh, 100%. Like, it's, it's a good one. I, I think that it's, it sounds nice. Yeah. And, like, I feel, it makes sense if you're trying to do away with that, but I think that when we look at how Scripture presents God, and even, once again, how Jesus views the Old Testament, mm-hmm. uh, how, how the New Testament writers interpret the Old Testament, we can't we can't honestly look back and say that they thought of what God did in the Old Testament as somehow less ethical or less indicative of his character. Uh rather okay. I think that time and time again what we see in Christ and in the in the whole New Testament <clears throat> is an affirmation of the Old Testament, right? And that everything sure. in the Old Testament points forward to Christ and so once once again that's not to say that all behavior in the Old Testament is normative for us today, but right. that's a different discussion. I think it's all equally, <laughs> all equally revelatory of God, or all equally true of God, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I feel you, man. I, I'm trying to gather my thoughts. Yeah, I, no, I, I definitely get what you're coming from, and um, I don't necessarily have like a super like. Yeah, Andy sucks. This is my response to his. No, that's okay. We don't. And once again, the whole point, right, isn't that we're necessarily trying to smack each other down. But I just want to like present my position as fully as I can, and you're presenting your position as fully as you can. Yeah, for Um, sure. I and it's up to the listeners to think about this stuff and see where you fall. Hint, hint. Listen Um, to Andy. Is that where? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. See where you fall. Right. Right. See. (laughs) I'm just kidding. No. But but seriously, like. We just are hoping that this will be a, a good, thought-provoking talk for you. Because the thing is, there's so much we could cover. I feel like so we're much. nearing the end of our 40 minutes already. Yeah, mostly. I, I feel like I have barely scratched the surface. Me too. <laughs> on what scripture is. Like, there is so much more we could talk about. But I think the yeah. whole idea with this episode is really, we wanted to get out some of the things that are very basic, right. very basic, to our understanding of scripture talk about some of the differences we have to open up some issues for you guys um, and and let that send you on a journey to start thinking more because that's really the goal here. Um, I mean, I would love it if you all agreed with me. That would be wonderful. I hope that you agree with me. <laughs> yeah. But, like, I, I honestly do. Like, I believe, obviously, I wouldn't be having this discussion if I didn't think I was right, but sure, sure. I also know I can't be right about everything. So <laughs> yeah. I just hope that you are you are thinking and uh, this provokes some thought. And I'm sure that Josh hopes everyone agrees with him. You know, it's a yeah, normal thing. Well, I dig it. Like, here, here's the thing, man. Like, I am, from, like, my perspective, I am more concerned about, I'm, uh, let me put it this way. I'm less concerned about converting 
quote unquote converting people from like oh the doctrine of inerrancy to whatever you want to call what I'm talking about. I just yeah. want like if you love Jesus, man, and like you're connected with Christ and you are pursuing Him with you know your mind, your body, your soul, your you know everything that you've got. Um, I would rather you be that. I would rather introduce you to Christ and then allow you to disagree with me on inerrancy or or, or whatever than uh, for you to necessarily agree with me. And um, yeah. one thing that I would say, and, like, I heard this from a dude, uh, maybe you've heard of him, his name's Bruxy Cavey. <laughs> oh, yeah, he, uh, I, yeah I, I, I was introduced to Bruxy at my time at Messiah. He was, like, in uh, like an adjunct, and he spoke a few times in chapel. But he, he says this thing, and I don't even think it's his own, uh, but he says, I believe in the authoritative, infallible, inerrant word of God, and his name is Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, I knew so that. I, I would leave, I would leave um, people with that. <laughs> yeah. No, that's good. And I think, honestly, I think that's a great statement that encapsulates your understanding. Um, and so and I, and I would make the argument, once again, that when Hebrews, just to kind of wrap up where we differ, I guess, uh, when Hebrews is talking about Jesus as the full revelation of God, I would totally agree with that. And I think Scripture derives its authority from God. It's not like a God itself. Sure. Uh, but it derives its authority because it's God's word. Um, but I would say that I think that Jesus is revealed to us in Scripture. I don't think we encounter Jesus anywhere else. Okay. And so that's fair. And so I, I think that's why that's why in the Reformed tradition we place so much emphasis on Scripture because that's how we come to know God. That's how we come to know Christ is through Scripture. And, right. And we believe that it's character because it's from God because it's God revealing Himself to us. We believe that it's absolutely perfect, absolutely authoritative, all those things uh, that we've talked about. But uh, final, this will be real quick. Uh, sure. I just want to throw a curveball at you to end the episode. How do you feel uh -oh. about the word inerrancy? Yeah, I. So I don't. I don't dislike the word inerrancy. I just think, like for me, um, I would rather talk about things positively than negatively. So like inerrancy is. Like ne is a negative term by connotation. Um, so for so for our listeners, sorry to interrupt you, but for our for listeners, it. just in case, since we'll probably have some people who aren't super familiar with what we're talking about, inerrancy means that the Bible is without error at all, like in anything that it teaches. So sorry, continue. Yeah. So uh, maybe this is a caveat too. Would you do you think like with inerrancy, the Bible is is that you know uh, without error in its original manuscripts? Or are you like a King James version only kind of dude? I know I'm that's not, a not King true. James but... <laughs> only, for the record. Um, no, yeah. I would, yes, I would agree baby. fundamentally with the idea. The Bible is without error in its original manuscripts. Okay. But I'm not gonna let people turn around and say, "But what we have, you know, is just so full of problems." Right. I think that <laughs> I think that the Bibles we have today are extremely, yeah. extremely accurate to the original manuscripts, and I I don't have any problem calling my English Bible the Word of God. Sure. No, definitely, I, I feel you, man. And I, and I think, again, this just... I honestly believe that our differences come down more so to where we put our emphasis. But one... another, Just another thing with, with the word about inerrancy that I struggle with is, like, I... Um, and I'm not saying that you're not passionate about this. Uh, don't hear me that way. But, I like, I think evangelism is important. Like, I want people to know that Jesus loves them. And so, for me, it's difficult when I... Like, if you try to tell somebody, hey, uh, Jesus is super cool, this is what he did for you, and you can trust that because the Bible says so and the Bible is inerrant, then basically yeah. to me, 
what you're doing is you're daring that person uh, to find contradictions in Scripture. And um, I know, like, for people who think a lot about the Bible and theologians and people that are way smarter than me, they could say that any contradiction that you find in Scripture, they could somehow justify. But I think that could present a stumbling block. So for me, I would rather, I think it's a shift in emphasis, I would rather point people to Christ, uh, point people to Jesus, and I think once you introduce the inerrant element, then you're kind of shifting the focus more so to Scripture itself and away from Christ the person. So, like, I think, uh, you know, there's this term, like, you know, Christians are people of the book. Um, and I, me, myself, more so, I would like to say I'm a, a people of the person. I'm a Jesus follower. And so it's genuinely, man, it's, it seems to me it's more so emphasis is where we're, where we're differing. Because um, yeah, I, yeah. I don't. I don't think that you would disagree with me that Jesus is super cool in that. <laughs> we no, want to point that we want to point people yeah. to Jesus. It's, I think and it's see, genuinely it's it's a it's an emphasis thing. And I would just to to kind of wrap this up. So I'm not trying to like contradict yeah. you. I'm just to give where how what that brings up in my mind is I would say obviously I think that I think that as people come to know Jesus more deeply, and of course there are exceptions to this because no one's right. theology is perfect, but. I think as people Except mine. Mine's perfect. to know Jesus more deeply, <laughs> Just uh, their view of Scripture will become more like his, and I think naturally that will turn into inerrancy. Like, I sure. didn't come to That's accept fair. the doctrine That's of inerrancy fair. by, like, someone arguing me into it. I, be- okay. I, I, I first came to understand the doctrine of inerrancy because I, as I got to know Christ better through Scripture, for the record, um, <laughs> I... Uh, I just began to to understand instinctively what scripture was, and then right. once this doctrine was presented to me, I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. You know, so I it's not about arguing, and I wouldn't use that term as a tool for evangelism or anything like that. Sure, um, that's that's, but I, that's completely I, fair. I think when we're I think it's when it's important is when we're having discussions and trying to understand each other is where right. that word comes into play. Um, for sure. And then one other thing. Just on the the people of the book thing, um, yeah. I know you you already brought this up earlier, but once again, I would say I I am a I am I am a people of the person too, right? I'm a follower of yeah, Jesus, most definitely. But I don't think that we encounter Christ anywhere but by the Spirit in Scripture. Sure. And so I once again, I think that we have to be people of the book if we're going to be people of the person. That's, that that's, no, that's that's good, man. That's fair. I I dig it. No. So, any other uh, final thoughts as we're kind of we're hitting our our time limit here? Do you have any parting thoughts for everyone? No, man. I just I I was to be honest <laughs> for everybody listening. I was super nervous about uh, you know this episode because me myself I'm still trying to put together my thoughts on on scripture and this is just kind of where I'm leaning currently. Um, and so I think I think a beautiful thing about theology and Andy, maybe feel free to push back on this if you disagree with me, but I think, I think you might agree is that the beautiful thing about theology is that it should be consistently, uh, maybe consistently changing. It's more fluid than it is static. And so I think what's beautiful about theology, what's beautiful about scripture and what's maybe what's a really cool thing about this podcast in particular is that we're open to allowing theology our theology to change as we interact and encounter uh, God. And so I 
you know, I personally am doing my best to stay open and uh, I want to listen and hear and understand um, so that, you know, my theology and my experience with God um, can be the, the best that it can be. And so that's, that's really what I'm aiming at. That's, that's what I'm getting yeah. at. So. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. And I was, I mean, I was nervous about this too, just going into it because first of all, honestly, I didn't really know where you were. Um, <laughs> Me neither. Like, I don't know I, where I'm I mean, at. <laughs> we haven't had a conversation about this in a while. So, yeah. Uh, so I was like, I don't know what we're going to be talking about really. <laughs> but I appreciate the conversation and, and uh, I would I would agree with you that I think, in a sense, we're always growing in our understanding. Um, and so I always, with Scripture as as the final authority, you know, I I think I always am growing in my understanding of Scripture, and I'm always open to it. When I when I realize that I don't understand it correctly, uh, I'm always open to to trying to grow in that way. So uh, thanks for this conversation. We hope that you as the listeners enjoyed it. Uh, visit us on the web at yeah. theologydoesn'tsuck.com. Yeah, on the line, yeah. theologydoesn'tsuck.com. On the line. <laughs> on um, the line for all you hip so young, young kids out there. Coming up next week, we have a uh, a book review, I believe. We're going to be discussing uh, – what's the book, Josh? It is called the – it is actually – so it's a book by Scott McKnight, and it's called Kingdom Conspiracy, Returning mm-hmm. to the Radical Mission – of the local church. So I, me personally, Andy, I'm excited about this one because I know um, we talk about this a lot and there's this, that whole uh, tension between the gospel and this idea of the social gospel and yeah. uh, kind of how they can be together or maybe they can't be together. And so I think McKnight uh, does his best to attempt to, to tackle that. And so I'm excited to, to talk about that with you. Yeah, it was an interesting read. I'm excited to talk about it too. So, Uh, Thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or any thoughts or any follow-up, feel free to contact us through our website, theologydoesn'tsuck.com. We'd love to hear from you. And we look forward to having you join us next week. Most definitely. Read read your Bible, kids. Yes, read your Bible. Please. Jesus loves you. All right. Goodbye.